Thank you for tuning in to the First Gen Hunter Podcast, the go-to resource for those seeking to establish a foundation in hunting knowledge, skills, and tactics. Well, here we are. Episode 13, people. If you're scared, I don't blame you. Who knows what could happen? Good thing is, I technically do know what's about to happen because this is pre-recorded. You will not be disappointed. This is a super high-level yet, don't be scared, very attainable set of tips that apply to hunting the early season. With early season, and I'm going to say it, specialist mr noel gandy now what's great about this interview is that noel is not only a great deer hunter but he's actually a pastor for his uh regular job and so he is an expert at communicating people he's also an outdoor writer he also stars on a uh, outdoor tv show and so the guy knows his stuff and he knows how to communicate it so i'm excited for you and i'm excited for myself because you know I listen to these episodes too, and I learn new stuff all the time. So, you're going to like it. Before we get there, this is the much-promised episode with the features of other outdoorsmen's most folly-filled moments in the outdoors, our unluckiest moments outside. And so, I'm going to read some of them. A couple of them you're actually going to hear straight from the uh, person's mouth who experienced the misfortune. And uh, all of us are going to laugh at each other. So I am looking forward to sharing this one with you. And we'll go ahead and get right into it here in just a minute. Well, I have with me today a guest that you will uh, get to hear from uh, later on in a future episode, but that's not why he's here today. He's not here to talk about what a great deer slayer is. He's here to talk about his unluckiest moment in the great outdoors, or maybe just, just maybe unluckiest isn't the right word, but just that, oh man, not, not my finest moment. And it had to do with a <laughs> pair of uh, waders and uh, trout fishing in some really cold water in Montana. Uh, Mr. Garrett Fike, could you uh, elaborate, please? Yeah, I definitely, it may not have been the the unluckiest day of my life, but probably the most uh, misfortunate, for sure. It it would have been back in 2012. It was when you and your brother Jake and I and and your other family members were on a hiking trip, and uh, southwestern Montana, and we had hiked, I don't know, can't, how far was it from the trailhead? Six, seven miles? Yeah, yeah, about that, yep. About that. So, you know, we carried all this gear back in there. I'd never been on a backcountry camping trip. It was an absolute blast. We had a great time. Uh, 
probably second day in, Jake and I decided to go fishing, trout fishing. And we were going to get into some areas that required us to wear waders and get across the lake. And uh, it was... Uh, <laughs> I, I had... I was wearing... A, I don't know. Kent, was it Jake's old waders? <laughs> they were some. They were some. I don't. They were some hand-me-down waders that Jake. Hand-me-downs from way back. I mean, we're talking <laughs> generations ago. These things had been around, and I, you know, I didn't have waders. I'm not a trout fisherman, but Jake was all about it. So he had his fancy waders, and I got these hand-me-downs. <laughs> so I don't. I don't care. It doesn't bother me any. I'm ready to go fishing. <laughs> Throw the waders on, and, and uh, we head about our way, and go after some fish and uh we're fishing along fishing along and underneath these waders i'm just wearing a pair of khaki shorts and and uh you know <laughs> not, nothing nothing crazy i just figure the waders are going to keep me dry and so the waders they're like i said they're old they're real old but no worries we're they're gonna they're gonna keep me dry while we go fish <laughs> so off we go we're casting our lines we're we're catching trout. We're having fun. And I'm feeling a dampness. <laughs> and I, I can't figure it out, you know, because you put these waders on, they, they trap all the moisture inside. Yeah. kind of starts yeah. to sweat. You don't know. The water's cold. So my, my, my lower extremities are about half numb. Yeah, I mean, but real cold water. Like, like it hurts I'm, to touch. We're talking low 30s, like mid 30s. <laughs> yeah. you, you can't bathe in this stuff. It's it's melting <laughs> off the top of the mountains, you know, yep. and, and coming down to this lake. It is cold. But inside those waders, there's no air moving, so you're, you know, it's... It's kind of damp, and it's just because no moisture can can get out of there. But this is extra damp. Like this is damp, and I don't know, I don't know why it's that damp. But it, I'm starting to get concerned. We make our way around, and kind of go through this point, and it's it's like, oh boy, and 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 I kind of I open up, you know, they're chest waders all the way to the top, so I, I kind of open them up, reach down there, smell smell down there, and. It, it's musty. It's it's real musty, and it and, and my pants are definitely damp, but warm. And, and so I'm like, what in the world? I mean, this water's thirty some degrees, and I mean these these waders. But I don't have, you know, my feet are dry. I'm not. There's nothing sloshing around. What in what in the world's going on? And there's this little worm of doubt wriggling its way into my mind, and I'm beginning to wonder. Did did I really? Did did I really wet myself <laughs> while I'm trout fishing in southwestern Montana with my best friend Jake? <laughs> and no reasonable explanations were arising, so I just <laughs> the doubt grew and it grew and it grew and it grew into a big concern. And I thought, oh my goodness, I peed my pants. I truly, I truly peed my pants. And so now I got to figure out a way to write the situation without alarming anyone else to what is going on. Because I'm 18 years old. I just graduated high school the previous spring. I'm not telling anybody I just wet my pants. I thought, maybe, you know, I guess the water was too cold and it made me go numb and I, I peed. I don't, yeah, I don't right, know, right. but that's the only thing I could think of. We make our way across this, this narrower kind of strip of, of the lake and, and there's like a little 
peninsula that's kind of jutting out. We, I, I get on that. Jake's intent on fishing. I, ah, go ahead, Jake. You, you keep fishing. I, I think I got to take a leak. I got, I just <laughs> go on. And so I'm just trying to figure out a way to get him away from me for an extended period of time so I can clean up, you know, and, uh, so while Jake gets away, he gets, he gets just out of, out of eyesight. And, uh, I quick, I quick slip them, them things off. I smile. Oh my gosh. That's definitely pee. I, pee in my pants. I got a perfect pee spot right, right, right there in my cargo shorts. And, and they, they smell musty too. So what do you do? I, I dunked them in the lake. I'm cleaning up. I'm doing laundry right there on the shore of this lake. And ice cold water while my buddy's over just out of sight, and I'm I'm hidden, and I think, okay, I'm this is gonna this is gonna be the only way I can figure this one out, you know. I can't I can't come out and tell everybody about the problem because it's incredibly embarrassing. But <laughs> I just gotta try to cover it up. So Jake ends up coming around. And I think I don't remember all the specifics. I'm pretty sure he caught me washing my clothes, questioned me on it. I lie. I say, well, I, I was just getting dirty, I guess. I don't know. You know it was just it was a terrible thing. And what I couldn't get past is is how musty my clothes smelled. I mean, these waiters, like I said, they were old, but I just, I assumed that I had peeped myself. And so... I don't remember exactly how I ended up finding out, but there was a couple of pinholes right in the crotch of that, them waders, and they were leaking right onto my shorts, and those are some really old waders that have been sitting out for a long time, and they smell musty and moldy, and my whole shorts smelled like must and mold, but them holes were just the right size where that water was coming in. Make that it look like I wet so my pants. Funny, oh, but I didn't tell man. anybody, and we we ended up. I don't know. I think we ended up burning them. We burned them waiters. <laughs> I wasn't carrying back. I was disgusted. <laughs> I didn't tell anybody until our ride back home. <laughs> and then I and then upon telling it the first time, I had to tell the story like three or four times. Oh man, it's just such a classic. <laughs> oh, I mean, no. if you could just just put yourself in my shoes and understand the horror that I felt when I'm 18 yep. years old and I just peed myself when I'm with my best friend and his family on a fishing and hiking trip in Montana. Day one. I mean, it's mortifying. Oh man. Well, we appreciate you sharing that with us and letting the viewers in on that, in on that seeker. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. That was a, yeah, that, you got to watch your waiters. Yeah. <laughs> watch yeah. the waiters. That's right. That, that could be another t-shirt eventually, or maybe a decal. Watch your waiters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, thanks for sharing that with us, Fike. And, uh, um, we'll have to get on here to, uh, some more unlucky moments in the great outdoors. All right. Here's another great one from my good friend, Mr. Alex Earhart. Alex is an avid outdoorsman. The guy travels all over the place, backpacking, uh, camping. He does a lot of turkey hunting, does some deer hunting. The guy just loves being outside. In fact, I'm planning to have him come on sometime to kind of train us, teach us on how to uh, best prepare ourselves for some wintertime camping. But uh, he... he uh, 
sent me a great story here, and I'm going to go ahead and read to, to you what he sent. He called it his unlucky turkey hunt. I was in my stand about 45 minutes before sunrise. I heard some gobbling right around sunrise, and then again, I later heard a tom on the ground about, oh, the corner from the fence line where I was sitting. I talked back and forth with uh, Tom for about 30 minutes or so, and I was sitting on the north side of the woods right at the fence line, and he was walking up the east side of the woods. He was coming nice and steady in just about the northeast corner of the woods. I got my gun ready, and soon I saw through some brush his head bobbing up and down about four yards from a clear shot, and he wasn't stopping. He was just about to clear, and my finger was on the trigger, and what happened next, I just couldn't believe. Out from the woods on the north side of the clearing pounced a coyote and gave chase to the tom. I got up and ran to the grassy clearing down in the valley, and the old yote was chasing the tom, which finally flew into the woods. The coyote was too far for a shot, and the tom was gone, so I ended up with nothing that day. I was surprised that the yote went for a full-grown tom, but he did. At least the dog didn't get a bird either that time. All right. Thank you, Alex. That is a good one. Man, talk about unlucky. We've all had those moments where we just see, we're like, wow, this is really happening. The cookie is finally crumbling my way. And then, nope, something comes in and messes it up. Definitely an unlucky day in the woods. Okay. And this one, Mr. Cole Young, a, a future guest on episode, I believe it will be episode 17. He tells us about an unfortunate day of hunting uh, where uh, he had some opportunities that didn't just quite work out how he had hoped with a specific deer he was targeting. So enjoy this one. Been after this deer for, for quite some time and we... We knew him as a four-year-old, and I found both sides to him the year before, and he's like a 151-inch eight-pointer. And the next year, uh, sat in the same stand, I think, for three days in a row. I'd seen him every day, and it was close call after close call, and he was just on a hot dough, and I, I wasn't getting him off. But... On the third day, I called up my brother and I said, you know, I've watched this deer for two days and he's going, he's following this long, narrow strip of ridge and he's not coming off of it. And we got to stand right at the base of that, you know, and then I'm, I got to stand right on a point that basically you can see everything. I was like, I'll sit there, you sit down there and one of us might kill him. So he. I mean, it wasn't, I won't, I don't think I was sitting in the stand for more than 45 minutes and here he comes bull rushing down the hill on that same doe. And for probably the next hour and 45 minutes, I just watched him run that doe up and down that ridge. And every time I text my brother and I was like, Hey, <laughs> do you see him? And he's like, Nope, I got, I didn't see nothing. I was like, well, he's within a hundred yards of you. But the, the night kind of went on, and I knew it was in the area pretty soon at, like, I, I mean, I don't remember what. That was probably four or five years ago now, but 
it was maybe a half an hour before it was like right at sunset i would say he comes out on this dough feeding into the beans and he's feeding kind of crossways across the field to my to the back side of my stand and i was like okay gonna be a tough you know 40 plus yard shot and then he just kind of got behind a tree line i didn't see him and then all of a sudden he's back out in the bean field feeding with this doe and it's there's 10 minutes of light left and i was like yeah i'm gonna give it a shot so i just started Mm. giving him just soft grunt after soft grunt and i bet you i grunted this year (laughs) like 30 times just rap and then he'd pick his head up look go back to feed and you know he had the dough right in front of him and i was like this is gonna be tough but i just was persistent i just gave him i've called it a lot of deer and i know that if you can just get their interest a little bit especially that close to dark right got a shot right so i just kept giving him little grunts little grunts little grunts and then you know there's two minutes of light left and i just hit him with a snort wheeze and he just turned his head and just beeline right oh man i'm like oh boy this is gonna be a good story so he gets out there and i thought that he, he basically just walked to the corner of the crp and just stood there like a statue totally broadside 37 yards and i was like right He's kind of on edge. He's probably going to jump the string of hair. Aimed at his belly. Let her go. And that's where it went. I mean, inches from, you know, if you would have ducked the right. string just a little bit, it would, you know, it would have been over. I would have been talking about right. a giant eight-pointer that I killed. But went sailed right under him, and he ran 30 yards. Looked back. And just went right back to his dough like nothing ever happened. We've seen him the next day. And uh, that deer just kind of laughed at me. And then was a little bit of revenge. My brother ended up killing him with a muzzleloader. Oh, the man. Opening day of shotgun season. But, yeah, it was. that's probably the worst. I mean, I, I mean, if you bow hunt long enough, you got... A right. Half a dozen yeah, of those for stories, sure. You know. Yeah, you know the. <laughs> you're you're kind of like me when I hear that story. It's like I'm always thinking this is too good to be true. I got a plan for the worst here, and that time planning for the worst actually, <laughs> it would have paid to have been an optimist there and been like, nah, I'm gonna hit him, and sure enough, he ends up he ends up uh, not messing messing you up like you were planning on. So. No, that's a that's a good one, man. That's that hurts. That hurts to every time I hear a story like this, it like um it makes me sad for the person telling it. But it also like it's also like therapy for me because that kind of that kind of thing happens to me so often. But yeah, thanks for sharing that, man. All right. This next unfortunate day in the woods story comes from uh my cousin and lifelong friend Brian Elrod. Uh, Brian has actually served for three tours in Iraq as a U.S. Marine um, back in the 
early and mid-2000s. And uh, he's going to tell us about uh, a story of when he went deer hunting, uh, when he was home on some leave, and uh, things didn't quite go as he'd hoped. So growing up, I was offered a few opportunities to hunt. The first deer rifle I used was a Marlin 3030 lever action carbine that belonged to my uncle. Through my teenage years, I used this rifle a handful of times. Now, fast forward a few years, I enlisted in the Marine Corps and was stationed in Camp Lejeune. I had some leave time to go home around rifle season in Wisconsin. It was a last minute trip home and very little planning went into it. When I got home, my brothers and dad, who are all avid deer hunters, asked me if I planned on going deer hunting. Initially, I thought, no, I haven't really planned on hunting. I have no idea where my stuff is. I haven't scouted or set up any stands, haven't sighted in my rifle, and the list goes on. I felt very unprepared. But they finally talked me into it. So I was able to locate my old hunting clothes. I went over to my grandparents' house to retrieve the trusty 3030 that I had used in years past, only to find that it wasn't there. Come to find out, my uncle sold it. Great! No rifle! I relayed the information to my father, and he informed me that he had a rifle I could use instead. What he had was an old 6.5 bolt-action Mauser that may had been an old military rifle. The rifle only had iron sights, which seemed to be okay since I was used to using a peep sight on my service rifle. I should be able to go get a deer with this, I thought. At this point in time, opening morning was the next day and I didn't have an opportunity to sight the rifle in. But my dad assured me that it shot straight. So the next morning, I head out to a permanent stand that was placed by a previous landowner on some acreage that my brothers had since purchased. It overlooked a wooded valley and a hillside out in front of me. I had learned in previous years to get set up before daylight. Wisconsin deer hunting is a state holiday, and on opening days, it closely resembles my deployment to Iraq. <laughs> Constant sporadic gunfire all around me. The only difference is I'm not the one being shot at. We hope so, right? As the old saying goes, the early bird catches the worm. And if you can get out there before your neighbor does, he can potentially kick up a deer in your direction when he walks to his stand. In this point in time, I haven't harvested deer yet. I, was, I had seen a few does periodically during hunts that I didn't shoot, but never laid eyes on a buck during any of my hunts. Today, that was all going to change. It was a nice day as far as Wisconsin Novembers go a light blanket of snow that made visibility excellent in the thick woods. The weather was in 20 to 30 degree range, and the sun rose as the woods became alive. As the sun rose, the woods became alive. All of a sudden, a rustling had me straining my eyes, thinking the monster was heading my way, only to reveal a bushy-tailed tree rat. A flock of turkeys was off to my right, scratching for acorns, buried under the snow and leaves and it was shaping up to be a great day i love watching that wildlife about two to three hours in i spotted a deer coming up out of the valley to my right near where all the turkeys were earlier as he got closer i noticed a nice set of antlers on top of his head 
and kept walking towards me. And as he got closer, I see that he has a ni- he is a nice eight pointer, nice enough deer that would avoid the ridicule of my brothers if I shot it. I have always taken care to make sure that I was as scent free as possible, and it paid off because this deer came within 20 yards of me and stopped, giving me a more than perfect broadside shot. I slowly place the rifle tight into my shoulder and steady it. I align my sights on the deer's vitals and slowly squeeze the trigger. Boom! The smoke clears and the deer is still standing, appearing to be unaffected. I quickly rack another round and squeeze off another shot, assuring myself in my mind the first shot must have been a fluke. I was an expert-rated marksman in the Marines, qualifying at ranges of 500 yards with a peep sight and would later become a rifle range coach. There is no way I could miss this picture-perfect shot within 20 yards. Boom! Goes the second report of the rifle. This time the deer runs off with, without so much as a limp or stumble. No blood or hair is seen anywhere in the area. As I walk into my parents' house, my head hanging low, I tell my family of the details of my morning hunt. My brothers laugh and accuse me of suffering from buck fever. I'd admit I was very excited when I saw the deer. He would have been my first buck. Even so, there it was. Highly unlikely that that I should have missed that shot, not once, but twice. My leave ends and I return to base. About a week later, I receive a call from my parents. I chit-chat with them for a while, and then my dad says, Oh, by the way, I shot the rifle that you used a few days ago, and you never guessed what I found out. What's that, I said. It shot high and to the right. Never again will I take a chance of a rifle being sighted in before I test that for myself. (laughs) Oh, man, I wish you knew my cousin Brian because that story just seems too perfect for him. Oh, man, he's definitely had some some, uh, misfortune and usually at the hands of his... his, uh, his older brothers, but that's what, that's what good older brothers do. You know, we, we I told you the story about when I uh, conned Jake into walking into the lake to get my, uh, my, uh, snag undone for me. But, uh, yeah, so good stuff there from Brian. Well, we're going to go ahead and start transitioning now into our interview. Again, this is an interview with Mr. Noel Gandy. He is an early season whitetail magician. The guy knows how to to get the job done early on in the season. So make sure you're paying close attention. And if you're like me, October can't get here fast enough. Yeah, it's it's coming quick. And uh, maybe you even hunt earlier than that. Maybe your state opens. I think there's even some states that might open like late August or something crazy like that. Um, more that open in September. I know that's the case for Brandon over in Delaware. Uh, I believe um, Missouri has like a mid-September opener. Um, so anyways, take what you hear today from Noel and uh, use it to kind of start shaping up your early season plans. Make sure you're not making any of those early season mistakes that can carry into uh, the rest of your your 
hunting season. So without any further ado, besides our tip of the day, we'll do that real quick. We're going to dive right in here with Mr. Noel Gandy on early season whitetail tactics. Today's tip of the day has to do with purchasing a new gun. Maybe it's your first one, maybe it's just getting to that point where you think you would like something a little bit different. Well, I'm going to give you a tip here that should help you keep this gun long into the future. And that tip is buy a gun you like. Wait, what? That sounds simple. Well, about four years ago I bought a gun that I thought I would like. I hadn't really handled them much, um, hadn't shot one yet, and I didn't really pay attention to the price of the shells I was going to be shooting out of that gun. Well, here I am four years later, and that gun kicks like an absolute mule. It's something that me as a pretty big guy, um, I can handle it, but um, it's certainly not enjoyable, and I certainly can't uh, let my wife or when my kids get old enough to start hunting, they wouldn't be able to shoot this gun. It's just, it's it's too much gun. So, I'm wanting to, to sell it. And the other reason that, that I mentioned, the price of the shells, because this gun isn't fun to shoot, and because the shells are super expensive, there's really not a great opportunity for practicing with this gun. So therefore, yeah, when I'm sighting in, I can get it on, you know, pretty good on paper, maybe get a nice little group going. But it's not like I'm going to be out at the range shooting this gun multiple times before the season starts. So, something that I've kind of learned along the way is make sure through your research and uh, maybe even getting a chance to try one out, make sure that your gun makes sense and is something that you're going to enjoy shooting. Okay, make sure it makes financial sense with the amount of money you're spending on rounds and makes sense with uh, something you're going to be able to practice with regularly so that you can be as proficient as possible with that weapon. Uh, Noel is actually going to talk about that later in this, this episode, but certainly something that's re- relevant to me right now. And uh, when, when you're a new hunter, sometimes the biggest factor is just looking at the price tag, which is okay, that's understandable, but make sure that... Uh, you are getting something you're going to be able to use regularly and become really good at using. So we'll get into the interview with Mr. Noel Gandy on early season whitetail tactics. Hey, you first-gen hunter podcast listeners. This is an extra special edition. I think I say that every week, though, so it's probably starting to lose its effect. Uh, No, everyone is. It's true. (laughs) There he is again, co-host of the year. 
Mr. <laughs> uh, Brandon Martin just trying to get like an extra company Christmas present, I think, at the uh, end of this year at this point. Well, hey, I'm fired up. I mean, I had my wife made a great uh, deer pot roast this evening. And uh, even though it's like 95 degrees, it's never a bad time to have a good deer pot roast. So I'm already excited. Been eating some deer meat. Here we are about ready to talk about some some good hunting. So, man, I'm just I'm just pumped. Man, that sounds really good right now. I had a tuna sandwich with a little scrap of lettuce Ooh. on it. Although I will say this, because my wife does, so far she's been listening to the episodes. It was the best tuna sandwich I've had in a long time. She made it. You know, we, we That's had, good. That's good. We had like a little get together with some friends from church and we were eating outside. And so tuna sandwiches were, were perfect for the moment, but it wasn't any deer <laughs> pot roast. <laughs> We'll cut you some slack. It's fine. It's all right. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'll, I'll survive. I think I got enough uh, enough extra padding here that I'm trying to shed before I, I haul my rear end up a tree this fall. So uh, I'll, I think I'll I think I'll survive. Well, tonight is truly an extra special occasion because we have with us a very talented person, not just. Not just in the hunting world, you know, of course, this is a, a hunting podcast, so we try to find people who are, are, um, I guess, well-experienced and, and uh, very knowledgeable within their, their uh, area of hunting. But, Mr. Noel Gandy, you are also a, a uh, church planner. You're also on uh, a hunting show, Buck Ventures, uh, the Woodsman Series. And uh, just a man of many talents. I think I even saw on uh, Instagram that you, you might do a little bit of golfing on the side. Is that is that true? You're too kind. My my wife would say I have too many hobbies. <laughs> <laughs> but I appreciate those uh, those kind words. Yeah, it's a, a lot of that is all kind of inter, intertwined. So some of it is uh is just to to piggyback off the other thing. But yeah, hunt, hunting is my passion outside of the outside of the Lord, and uh, so. Uh, I'm happy to be here hanging out with you guys. Yeah, for sure, man. I'm really glad you could come on. Um, what's interesting is Noel and I did not know each other at all before I uh, I sent, uh, I was one of those people who sent like a random uh, LinkedIn request on, uh, uh, I don't know, maybe like three or four months ago. And I had heard Noel on um, uh, a podcast that we both have been on. And that is the Iowa Sportsman's podcast. It goes along with the Iowa Sportsman's magazine because we both write for that magazine is why we were both interviewed on there. And so I had I had heard a couple, I think maybe two interviews. I think you've done at least two on there before. Is that is that correct? Yeah, it's two or three. I've been writing with Iowa Sportsman. I guess this is going into my third hunting season. So Oh, wow. Uh, it's two, two or three, yeah, three or four. I can't remember at this yeah. point. <laughs> yeah, I definitely, I definitely heard you a few times, and I had, I had, I mean, I guess you do kind of have a unique name. So when I, I think I had already read one of your articles, so I, your name was memorable to me. And then when I, you know, was tuned into the podcast, and they're like, "All right, today's guest is Mr. Noel Gandy." I was like, "Hey, I've read that guy's articles before," and, and. uh you know, I, obviously I, I thought the content was great in both. So, uh, it's pretty cool to, to connect with you now and talk about something we both are passionate about. And that is big old bucks here in the great state of Iowa. And, uh, specifically tonight, 
we're going to talk about um, what you know about that early season strategy, which I think is something that I don't know if the right term is people shy away from, but maybe a little bit, you know, it's kind of written off almost a little bit. And um, I got pretty excited when I asked you about it because, and again, I think it probably goes back to, I remember you maybe writing an article about some of your early season uh, hunts in the past, or, or you, um, I heard this, I know I heard the story, but I think it was your buck last year. You shot a real dandy um, during the early season. And uh, so I think I had that like in the back of my mind. But then when I emailed you, it was like instant confirmation. You're like, dude, I'm pumped. This is my thing. Early season hunting. And I was, I was really happy to hear that because there's not many of you guys out there. (laughs) So, so, uh, um, I'm, I'm excited to dial into that. And, you know, specifically as far as first gen hunter goes, when you're new to hunting and not that this changes after you've hunted, you know, for, we'll say like Brandon, who's been hunting for 30 years, uh, not that you, you enjoy opening day or early season any less, but I think when you're new to hunting, you're just like chomping at the bit to get that, that, you know, that first experience under your belt. You know, you're like, you're like the, uh, the freshman basketball player who gets uh, bumped up to JV for a, for a game. And, you know, you're just like dying to get in there. You know, when, when you're, when you're new to hunting, I think you're just ready to get out there and, and, uh, you know, give it a try. So I think this, this episode can be, uh, really beneficial to, to, um, new hunters or, or even just hunters who haven't had a lot of experience yet. Plus, it's no, it's no secret. The weather in October is generally, especially in Iowa, is generally a little bit more, uh, should we say, survivable than uh, those January uh, late muzzleloader time of year hunts. So uh, I think this is, this is a perfect one for our show. Good. I do. I'm, I'm very passionate about the early season, just especially in the Midwest. I've had some incredible luck early season. So I, I don't know if it's luck or if it's uh, experience or, or mixture of both. But uh, yeah, it, this is a good one to talk about for me, for sure. This is where my experience lies here recently. Yeah, man. Well, I'll tell you what, since I, I kind of know, I, I don't remember all the details to your uh, your that really nice buck you got last year. I saw, I think I saw some pictures on Instagram of it. It's just crazy. Um, maybe you can work that story in at some point, uh, for our listeners. Cause it, it was a cool story. I remember when I heard it and just kind of one of those things where if I remember right, you weren't expecting things to work out like they did, but boy, did they. And it, it was a, it was a real dandy in the end. So that, that was a, that was a really nice deer you got. So, Let's kind of start out, though, with, you just mentioned, since you've been hunting in the Midwest, what is your background in hunting, and uh, has it always been in the Midwest, or have you been, are you a pretty well-traveled uh, guy who's hunted other states, or maybe even lived in other states in the past? So, I, I'm originally from Mississippi. The first 28, 9, 30 years of my life were, were as a Mississippian, or and uh, in South Mississippi, and uh I guess in 2016, I think is, uh, the spring of 2016, my family and I moved to Southwest Iowa, uh, okay. kind of mentioned as, as church planters. And so I currently live in the Midwest. However, uh, 
14 years ago, my brother, my dad, and I started making a, a an annual trip somewhere. And okay. uh, it we had such good luck the very first outing, uh, which was to Kansas, central Kansas. Okay. I, we kind of made that the our destination yearly. So I've hunted in Kansas for 13, the past 13 years. Wow. Um, ironically, uh, I did not draw this year, which was, is the first time I've never drawn for Kansas. So, uh, I I will be going somewhere else. (laughs) Uh, I live six miles from Missouri. So that's likely going to be where I, where I try to go uh, this, this fall. Um, so yeah, my context then comes as a, as a Southern hunter, uh, but I do have quite a bit of experience in the Midwest. Granted, most of my experiences in the Midwest up until the last four years have been rut uh, hunting, sure. like the first couple of weeks of November. Um, a couple of rifle seasons, you know, where you're into first part of December a little bit, but um, but most of it is as a, as a southern in pine trees. You know that the deer don't grow as big because they're eating pine cones for breakfast. That's what <laughs> I, I, I say. But moving here, man, has been a wonderful experience because now I'm, I'm like immersed in in Midwestern culture and Midwestern hunting, which I love and have just always been passionate about. So that's uh, awesome. But yeah, that's a little bit of my background, and honestly. Growing up, I, I wasn't much of a, an archer. I, like I had a bow. I killed my first deer with a bow at 13 years old. But I went for years and years after that, not really archery hunting because sure. you can rifle hunt uh, down mm-hmm. south in those states and very liberal bag limits, very liberal seasons. So, uh, but I've pretty much ex- pretty exclusively archery hunted. Um, I'd hate to even guess. I, I'm going to say 10 years to be conservative. Oh, wow. But maybe close to 12 years, pretty exclusive, exclusively archery hunted. I killed my first deer with a rifle last year in, in six years, I think. Oh, wow. The, so, wow. you know, uh, that that was fun. I went back home to Mississippi, and uh, you know, their rut's a little bit different. So I went back for Christmas, and it tuned up some and caught a – uh, old old boy looking for love there after, after the holiday. <laughs> yeah, but mostly archery hunting. I will late muzzleloader hunt here in Iowa um, if it works around some scheduling. Sure. Uh, otherwise, that's that's been kind of it. Yeah, that's that's awesome, man. I, you know, I used to again as I've as I've said um, already in this conversation. You know, I haven't I haven't been hunting a, a, a real long time, um, but. Um, at first it was kind of like, you know, why would anybody want to bow hunt? You know, it's, it's just so much harder, you know, it's just, when you, when you have a, when you have a, (laughs) at that time, you know, that was before Iowa passed the, uh, the straight walled, uh, chamber, um, or straight walled cart cartridge, um, law here for using rifles during gun seasons and so i was just using slugs out of a shotgun and a muzzle loader and i was like it's just so much easier to to kill a deer with a shotgun or a muzzle loader and then uh last year i finally went out for the first time with a bow and i had the closest encounters in that one time that i went out uh so much closer than than uh pretty much i won't say anything but 
almost everything that that I had experienced to that point with a gun. And it's like, all right, I get it. <laughs> this is <laughs> this is how habits form. <laughs> you know, you get there so close to, into those deer, and and just you know, it's and it you can almost see how it when you're when you're archery hunting how it transitions from just okay i gotta i gotta let an arrow go or i gotta squeeze off a shot here you know because you're so close to the deer you almost get caught up in their beauty you know of course i think most hunters already feel that way about what they're going after but when you're right in there close and just watching you know what a deer does on a you know on its on its daily routine or whatever that's that's kind of a powerful moment i think that I think that getting to experience that finally for myself, I get why guys like you who I previously thought were crazy for putting away the putting away the gun and just focusing on on the archery equipment. I get it now. You know, it's 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 a life-changing thing to to dive into bow hunting. And it is harder, but it's it's definitely it's definitely worth it, I think. So, I'm hoping to hoping to have some success with that this year, but yeah. well, um yeah, so big change coming up from southern uh, Mississippi to to um, Iowa. You had to go from you know like fresh seafood to like uh, you know a, a delivery truck filled with frozen goods, dropping off the uh, <laughs> dropping off the uh, cocktail shrimp and stuff. But don't get me started. Yeah, I'll tell you. I I am uh I think I could eat eat ten pounds of crab legs right now just oh, dying summertime and it's it's time for that kind mm-hmm. of thing, you know? yep for sure Brandon's enjoying that he's he's laughing at both of us right now he's over there in Delaware yeah. you know catching flounder yeah. and stuff and yeah I'm I'm enjoying enjoying the saltwater fishing and <clears throat> you know some some weekends try to try to do a little freshwater bass fishing and some saltwater flounder fishing and whatnot so enjoying it up it's it's a good substitute you know fishing is is amazing but you know i know for myself you know it's the 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 true love and passion is hunting but it's a it's a great way to fill a few months in while you're waiting for hunting season to come (laughs) yeah i've tried not to develop any more vices uh, (laughs) like i I really try to take care of my wife during the summer Uh, right 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 uh, so, it's it's a balancing act it's a, it's a for balancing sure. act for yeah. sure yeah. Mm-hmm. yep yep sure. <laughs> yep it's a balancing act that is spelled brownie points that's what that balancing act, right mm-hmm. <laughs> yep yep it's true if you if you play your cards right exactly <laughs> that's right that's right no for sure our wives are too good to us no doubt they're letting us oh, talk about deer hunting tonight with each other. Of course, it could just be because they're sick of uh, hearing it from us. So, Mine was all too thrilled for me to leave, leave the house and talk to somebody else about deer hunting. <laughs> not shared this with you yet because uh, we talked a few minutes before before we started here. But today is, is a Sunday, and uh, I know this might air a little bit later, but it's, it's something like uh, middle of July. And I, I preached this morning, and we had a great time, you know, at, at church, and had a nice lunch, had a nice nap, you know. It was just yeah, well, there you go, man. And I left immediately, as uh, and had a friend from the DNR who's just a great friend to me, came, and we uh, we burnt off a, a food plot this afternoon. She said, "You're going to do that in the middle of the summer. You're going to catch the world on fire." It's got to be done gotta be done that's right <laughs> uh, we're late getting done and uh so we took you know we had just water packs and blowers and shovels and it's like a tenth of an acre eighth of an acre is tiny mm-hmm. but uh 
she's like, please go do something deer related. Like, get it out of your system, some if you can. <laughs> like, I've got the cell cams now, the trail cam cameras that are, are linked cellularly, and it's sure. the first mm-hmm. year I've ever had them. Normally, the Fourth of July is like my deer season kickoff. Okay. Like, that's when. Yeah. You could be, you're starting to see what their antlers are going to look like a little bit, yep. you know, yep. kind of can tell who's who at that point. And so yep. that's always been, a, a, that's always been a national holiday for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's not for anybody else. Uh, but I started like June 9th putting cameras out. I could not stand Oh man. <laughs> you know, their heads and, uh, but the cell cam goes off and bless her heart. She's so good. But at the same time, I know she's so frustrated because, she, like, we were mid-sentence the other day, and we have a no electronics at our table policy. Mm, and, that's a good rule. Uh, when we're having dinner or something like that. So everybody puts their stuff up. My phone's on a shelf, and I hear it buzzing. It's because it's like, it's like prime time, you know? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it wasn't my text message buzz. It wasn't my phone ringing buzz. It was my cell phone buzz. And like, I couldn't even talk to her. Like, I couldn't even talk to her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You said, yep. you need to get I said, no. I can wait. Well, it's it's funny. It's funny to mention that because I feel, you know, I my wife and I have been married for 10 years. This actually in about two weeks, we've been married for about 10 years. Nice uh, and, uh, you know, it was like early on in marriage, you know, your wife is like, why do you love it that much? I, in fact, I, I really have no clue why you love it that much. But then the years go on and you're like, and, and they're like, you know what? I realize that's part of what makes you, you. And by giving you that time to be able to get out there and enjoy it, you know, be with friends, whatever, it makes you a better version of yourself, you know? So it's, it's, it's kind of cool how it, and you know, of course it's like, we have to play our part in terms of making sure we're given appropriate time and balancing and, and all of that. But it's kind of cool how that comes full circle in terms of, both of you understanding each other better. Would you know, would you say it's kind of, that's been your experience. So we'll be 13 years in about okay. two weeks. And, oh, congrats. Uh, we, we got married. And the reason I can remember the year we got married is because I killed a booner that year. And it was, <laughs> so, <laughs> 2007, I'll never forget it. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, the first few years, especially, you know, we're newly wed and I'm running off to Kansas for Mississippi being gone. Yeah. We, you know, a couple of weeks and yeah. she finally, I guess we were five or six years in. She just like, you know, I might as well embrace it. It's just, that's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I've not changed. I don't feel like one bit from then to now. And uh, I, I do, but to your point, I try to, and, and I might not always do a very good job, but I try to respect the fact that, that she does give me a pretty long leash Yeah, and, uh, and I don't ever want to neglect her or my children Right. For this obsession, and it could be like anything, you know, golfing or or hanging out with the fellas, or just any any vice, really. <laughs> yeah, 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 yep. yep. So I, we justify it saying we're going to get meat for the table or things like that, but if you break it down, it's the most expensive meat in the world. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's that's right. <laughs> you you aren't fooling. You know, my dad is often he's he likes to break things down like that, and and. uh of course, you know, first gen hunter. So I didn't grow up hunting. My dad has nothing against hunting whatsoever. He just, he just didn't, he wasn't, it wasn't a part of his life growing up. And, and, you know, he was definitely into the outdoors, backpacking and 
canoeing and fishing and camping and stuff, but, but not into hunting. And I think when he would hear hunters like, uh, make that justification all the time, it would kind of drive him nuts because he's like, there's no way you can convince me that by the time you're done buying bullets, camo and getting a processing fee and everything else that it's like, yeah, you're right, dad. (laughs) It's not, it's not a justifiable claim. So he's going to like, he's going to like nod an improvement, you know, when he hears this part of the podcast. So I I joke and said, I killed a thousand dollar Turkey this spring, you know, just because stuff that we had sunk in a trip, everything else. And uh, so you have to at least be, confident enough to say yeah i'm getting something out of it but i do it because yeah. i just enjoy it That's and right. yeah it's, yeah. it's yep. a passion and a hobby so you have to be willing to admit that i feel like yep well and i think i i think too you know it's it's cool for you know our wives or people who you know first gen hunters you know getting into it you know many times initially it's you know i feel like you, you're you know wow it's it's cool you could provide meat for the family you know whatever but you know you start to get into it and you start to develop those friendships those relationships, you know, family, you know, you, for those of us who grew up in it, you know, we have so many memories tied to, you know, hunting and fishing the outdoors and everything. And, you know, it's something Kent and I have talked a lot about, you know, is that brotherhood and sisterhood in the outdoors and the developing of friendships and how that amplifies the experience and all of that. And so it's, you know, I think it's, you know, for the wives or for people out there who, you know, aren't as experienced with it, man, those are, those are some of the most amazing things, you know, yeah, harvesting the animal is, is amazing, but every Everything that goes with it, really the friendships and, and, and the relationships that you develop are really the best part, which is pretty cool to explore. And, and I think, you know, I know my wife and Noel sounds like your wife as well, you know, have seen that, you know, kind of develop in us and through us as, you know, they've watched over the years, you know, us, you know, go through enjoying this passion that we love. This Pat, you mentioned a deer that I, I took this past fall in, uh, in October and I've just for the past three years started filming uh our our hunts and and trying to do that and and a way to be able to share that and and it will be shared thankfully uh, i think this coming october actually it's set to release it's crazy nice awesome it's going to release on october 14th that's the day i killed the deer and so awesome. oh, nice. <laughs> but i've never hunted with anyone since i was probably 11 when my sure. when my brother dad you know went with me 11 12 maybe 13 might have been my, my dad the first deer i killed with the bow i was sitting in a homemade ladder stand that he and i had made and he was watching me from a shooting house he didn't have a weapon he was just he he just was there because nice. he didn't want me to be by myself but wow. wanted me to yeah. do that he didn't care about the the hunting part yeah. very much either so but so the first year that i filmed i i exclusively self-filmed everything which is super hard and uh, i I did that a lot last year but last year a couple of friends that i've made since moving to iowa just like brothers really we kind of resolved i had a couple of big deer i really wanted to kill on on video and there's they they gave their early season up to go film me wow wow nice like the experience of taking that deer and it was one of my better deer that I've ever, that I've ever taken. It was magnified so much because that dude was right there with me. And, and we were looking at each other's, did you see that? I, I didn't have to call him. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That hunt was, yeah. And, uh, yeah. we were both jaw dropped at how it happened and what, you know, killing the deer at all. But yes, it, 
yeah, so the camaraderie, and I have another friend, just this, we kind of just three good buddies. And uh, at cookouts, we go and hang out together. And my wife said, why don't you mingle? And I said, because nobody else will talk about hunting. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, but they do, you know? Yeah, yep, yep, yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's special. I mean, it's special. It's, uh, that's kind of a neat experience that you've had too, because you were, you know, you hunted for a long time by yourself primarily, and then you know, just recently been able to kind of get back into it with like these these brothers in the outdoors, and like you know, you can just picture it. You know, for those of us who experience it, you know, man, you're you know, because one of the things that that my brother and I, you know, m- you know, both my brothers and I, we've always been best friends, love the outdoors, and usually what my brother and I do now is, you know, we, we kind of flip flop. You know, he'll hunt and I'll film, then you know, I'll hunt, he'll film. We kind of flip flop it. I mean when you have those experiences out there, you just, man, if you could, if you could jump up and down and give each other high fives and the deer stand, you would do it. You know, you're like, all right, let's get, let's get down and just like, man, let's just go crazy. You know, but you know, those are just such special experiences. And like you just said, it just amplifies it when you get to share it and do it with someone. So that's pretty cool that you've been experiencing that with the filming side of things. We've gotten calls, uh, you know, over the, over the years, uh, as far as the television show goes, and I certainly don't mean to harp on that, but it's just an experience. People are like, why yeah. do you guys get, why do y'all act like you're so hyped up? Or why do you say some of the things that you say in it? Like, there's no acting going on. Right, that's right. Jack, that's right. Yep. You know? And mm-hmm. Yep, I, yep. I think if you lose that, then you're losing something of the experience. And, uh, yeah, my brother, is, is the, he he's 12 years older than me, so he actually is, like, as much of one who taught me how to hunt as anyone. And uh, we've always shared hunting trips but never filming he since i've been in iowa he's tried to draw a non-res tag but he drew this year and okay. so oh okay. awesome. let me tell you how it, how it goes he said i'm gonna come and and listen i've been babying some places because i want him to get a deer yeah I, he means that much to me he needs yeah. to experience some of this yeah. and uh I said, and I'm setting up double sets. I'm going to go sit with you. You know, I'm going to not hunt while you're here because I want to be with you when, when the biggest deer of your life comes by and you whack him. Right. Yes. So he, and this is the what he told me. He said, he said, that's crazy. I was planning on doing that with you. If you've not killed yet, I was going to go sit and watch you. And he's drawn mm. once in a wow. four. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's special. We can, you know, we can wax poetic all night about that. Yeah. No, that's. <laughs> yeah. If you don't do it, it, you don't understand how special it can be. Yeah. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, it's well said. Very well said. My brother and I, we just have this grudge match going on because uh, he forgot to put powder in his muzzle loader when I needed it. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 I'm just no, kidding. No. Sorry, Jake. Now, Sorry. Well, I know. I told Noel. I said, you know, uh, Kent. That was probably that was probably all part of Kent's master plan to make sure that he wasn't able to get that deer, so Kent could follow up and get it. You know, so hey, it's all part of the master plan. There's a little bit of friendly competition going on right. amongst others. You know how it goes. I, for, I forgot. I forgot how uh, wayward I was there, and uh, uh, no, that was that's okay. I've long since forgiven Jake, and I got my first buck since then, and Jake killed cleaned up next year so so all is good but um well we should we should um dive into what our our topic is for tonight our, our main topic and that is early season whitetail strategy and um we've kind of talked about it a little bit but a lot of people they they kind of don't really get you know long time especially uh bow hunters there is that early, at least in Iowa, there's that early muzzleloader season, which is right, usually right in the middle, maybe the back middle of October. 
and I've hunted that a, a couple years now. Um, but a lot of like uh, archery hunters, they'll kind of be a little bit down on October. You know, you hear terms like October lull. You hear things about don't don't get into your your best spots right away. Don't um, don't hunt mornings. You know, so we, I kind of want to pick that apart because Noel is not of that that. I guess mindset, maybe we could say, um, and it's not to say that those guys don't know what they're talking about. You know, I, who am I to say that to anybody when it comes to hunting, right? But um, <clears throat> I just think it's really interesting that Noel kind of like looks at the other side of the coin. He's like, "Dude, I love early season, and I kill big bucks in the early season." And so I want to, I want to pick your brain on this a little bit, Noel. And and right away, I just want to kind of open the can of worms here by saying, or asking rather. Should I hunt the opener? October one rolls around. Should I be in the stand? I have a pretty firm opinion, and uh, on on the opener or the day after or whatever. The only reason that I would hunt the opener uh, first. Let's qualify this. We're all busting to get in a tree stand. Yeah. Or if you're like me, we are, and I want to go real, real bad. But I'm only gonna go early season if the wind is is perfect and for me perfect uh early season is it's going to be a north wind and it's going to come with about a 10 or 12 degree temperature drop okay. it could be it doesn't have to be a set cold front you know it's, it doesn't have to be in the 50s but if it if it drops from 90 to 78 as as the high then i'm going to be in a tree stand somewhere with the appropriate wind uh last year i think i didn't start hunting till the fourth okay because the sets where i knew there was a decent deer uh and where i knew i could get into them without blowing everything out because mm -hmm. at that point in time in the midwest i don't know about what you know i can't speak to uh you know the northeast and i, I can yeah, kind of speak to the south a little bit but i didn't do a ton of hunting early season in south because it's so darn hot yeah mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. in october but if if i can get in and out of the stand without blowing everything away most of the time in the midwest crops are all still in the field sure and with yep. that most of the deer not all of them a lot of the deer are going to be bedding in corn mm. uh in my area anyway and i'm sure in in yours yep i don't want to dis disturb that too terribly much because you can bump a big deer you can bump a buck and, and he's not gonna he's not gonna run out of the country. I mean he's gonna stay in his home core area. Right. If he gets if he gets too harassed, then he's going nocturnal. And and right. it's yeah. tough to kill a deer that's nocturnal. There yeah. is a small window you can still kill him, I feel like. But so am I gonna hunt the opener? Yes, if I have the access and the wind and a and a decent temperature drop. Or if my stealth camera is showing me daily <laughs> that this coming down this path you know and he is hammering it and he is still on a summer pattern you've almost gotten too late for summer patterns because the yep. deer have shed their sure. velvet and they've, and they've the bachelor groups have busted up but uh but it is it is possible to still keep one fairly regularly uh i did some uh <laughs> just because i'm i'm eating up with it <laughs> <laughs> I did some some research the other day and I pulled out trail cameras pictures that I have cataloged for the past 
three or four years. Okay. And um, I went and I grouped them into, you know, preseason, October, November, December, January. Mm-hmm. And I went through because because my brother's coming, you know, I want him to capitalize right. his time. I went through and I, I looked past <clears throat> four years at the daylight pictures that I had of mature deer, not mm-hmm. not dinks necessarily, but mature bucks. Mm-hmm. And the most daylight pictures that I had were the first like six, seven days of October and the last day of October through like November 4th. Mm-hmm. And then like the ninth through the 14th for, for whatever reason. And it, that was pretty, pretty patternable hmm. over four years. You know, there were mm-hmm. some, some right. differences in there. Yeah. Uh, I, I firmly believe that the first four days, five days of October are, are fruitful. The first two weeks ha- actually for me after that, they've been hunted a little bit on my right. Part. Yeah. I think that has a lot to do with the October lull. Right. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and Noel, it's interesting out here in Delaware, our, our season actually starts September one. Yeah. So we, so we start September one and go through January 31st. And so, you know, we have the benefit of, you know, those summer patterns during the month of September, you can really get on them. But like you said, you know, you, you start putting the pressure on them and before you know it, you, you get into that first, you know, second third week of october and it does really feel like a lull because of what you're mentioning the the pressure and and those things i I have a friend that uh hunts he lives in south carolina Mm -hmm. his name is heath rayfield they open in august which is crazy uh (laughs) and south carolina is a hot yeah Yeah. he's gonna kill a good deer the first two weeks of, of season because they're still patternable yep he also really prefers uh, he hunts Kansas as well uh, every year, like I do. Past two years, he's early muzzleloader hunted in Kansas because it opens up September fifteenth. Oh, wow. nice! I think he killed a one ninety one last year. Oh man, uh, wow. they had patterned that they had patterned. He was still mm-hmm. on the fringe of that. They had just rubbed off velvet, but he was still mm-hmm. on the fringe of the pattern. Mm-hmm. Every that's the dude that I say he's just a killer. You know, yeah. he just yeah he, yeah he's on big deer. And did it legit. I mean, it's so it's doable. Yeah. Once you start getting into October, they start becoming a little more wary uh, of mm-hmm. what's going on around them. They're, yeah. A deer is worried about three things, uh, eating, s- surviving, and loving. And, mm-hmm. and it ain't mm-hmm. love time yet. You know, right. so yeah. he's really worried yeah. about two things. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a yeah. good point. That's a really good point. Yeah, that's – that that – that you know i think that information there about the the wind and and i like how you kind of differentiated from it even being a a hard set cold front moving in it's it's just enough of a a temperature change to kind of get your attention get you thinking but yeah even the as a newer hunter i've wondered that you know is there any of that any of that summer patterning still kind of hanging over into october and for the sound of it, probably not much, but, but maybe some. And so, you know, again, maybe that then goes to sometimes you hear guys talking about, you know, is it even worthwhile to put trail cameras out in the summer since everything changes once the the velvet comes off, you know? And I think that Noel just made a really strong case there for, yeah, 
not just because it's fun either, you know, <laughs> you know, it's, it's just fun running trail cameras and seeing deer, but, but I think you can get some meaningful information if you're scouting it with the right mindset. And especially if you can analyze data, like, like Noel talked about for several years and, and, uh, kind of, kind of learn a deer and, you know, they they deer can be creatures of habit, you know, to some extent. And, and, uh, especially if they've, if they're a mature buck, well, something's working that's keeping them alive right so so they're gonna they're gonna not be quick to change that strategy so if you you can get that data and i'm a science teacher data data tells us things it's it's uh you know kind of the proof that we need to uh to make our next our next best guess i guess you could say so really high level information there on on hunting that very early part of uh, part of october so with that kind of still being the theme here you know we're hunting early season uh probably early october still yet not not quite to we'll get to the the october lull here in a minute but um what about hunting mornings are you gonna are you gonna you know it's let's say it's let's say it's uh of course, you're you're a pastor, so your days off are are different than the different than uh, the average nine to five work, guy, right? Right. So I mean, yeah, only work only work Sunday, right? <laughs> I, I got a <clears throat> I got a buddy who's a youth pastor in in Indiana, and that's what that's what he says all the time. I only work Sundays and Wednesdays, but uh, so uh, it's, it's no, definitely not true. No, incidentally, that's when the deer tend to move. Yeah. <laughs> All of my data is on Sundays and Wednesdays. Yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, you know, I was I thought about asking that, that you know, in the intro is like, do you ever change church start time based on <laughs> based on what the deer does? Or it certainly gets priority. He, he certainly gets priority. <laughs> hey, look, just before you move on, I want to speak very, very quickly to something that you said about running trail cameras. I certainly do because I just I, I want to know what's what's going on. T- to me, in the summer you can get by not running them because uh, all you're doing is basically getting an inventory. You're not patterning sure. anything right now really for hunting season. You're getting an inventory of what potentially might use your property. Right. And, and even that is still very, very up in the air because I have a deer, I call him sidekick. He's a big nine point and he's a target deer this year. He'll end up being like, he, he'll end up being low fifties maybe, but he's he's five and a half years old. Oh, awesome! He's, but he has been for the past two years, in July and August and September, for or and this is year number three. He 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 is the dominant deer this year. But for the past two years, he has been the buddy to the biggest deer on the farm. Okay. For the past two years, and for the past two years, he is the only one that's remained on the farm, and the biggest deer have left. And I've hunted okay. goats for the past two years, but I've seen sidekick. And that's why we call him that, because he's always the right. sidekick to the biggest and baddest one. But I think yep. he's putting them off. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so take that with a grain of salt. Also, I will speak to this, and, and I I am the world's worst. <laughs> you can overscout. Yeah. The, right. the, meaning, I want to go check those cameras real, real bad. Mm-hmm. Real bad. But I've got to take the same care going and checking those cameras with wind and some scent right. as if it, as if it were hunting because they the deer don't know when it's deer season, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> you just yeah. survive, eat, 
and and that's it. So if they if they get too many whiffs of me, I, I can overscout my areas and kind of drive deer nocturnally. And yeah. uh, so I, I would say do it very cautiously. It's you can yes. do it. Do it very cautiously. Yeah, that's that's yeah. a great point. Actually, um, <clears throat> the episode that's going to drop the week that we're recording this uh, is with a, another uh, good good uh, friend of mine, um, uh, Chris Dyer. And uh, he kind of talked about that too. You know, there's just that temptation, especially as you get towards the end of the summer, you know, for, for Brandon in Delaware, you know, that's going to be end of, you know, actually probably all of August, you're going to want to stay out of there. Um, yep. For us here in Iowa, I have a personal rule once September rolls around, unless I have some like really high traffic um, cameras, meaning not, so much deer traffic but like farm equipment and stuff like that you know i might go in on a four-wheeler keep the four-wheeler running the whole time yeah grab my card just to see if i need to make one last you know one last move or something to my camera or you know to try and pinpoint it where where the bucks are hanging out but yeah that's why you, you can't you can't right you gotta you gotta have those rules for yourself and i think that's where the like an experienced hunter's mindset matures so much from a new hunter's understanding you know what i mean uh because a new hunter's going out there with all the best of intentions right they're like all right if i'm gonna if i'm gonna take this seriously seriously if i'm gonna get into hunting i need to be putting all this work in i need to be you know responsible here in a sense but if you haven't heard that bit of advice there that noel just talked about you know, you might, through your best intentions, be totally messing up your your plans. You know, for a month or or so from from that time. So, yeah, you gotta you gotta be efficient while you're there and not there often, and certainly not there after. You know, that one month window I think or shows up before the start of the season. So. Well, and I think it's tough too, because it's like, you know, when you're talking to, you know, seasoned hunters, you know, there's, there's, there's two conflicting bits of, of advice, but I think they do match well together because, you know, you hear, you hear the wisdom that says, you know, you need to be out there in order to learn and experience things and grow. But then you also hear the, the, the advice of less is more. And so it's kind of combining, you know, I think the trick is making the most of the time that is out there, but being wise about when you go, just like Noel is is speaking about with the wind and and all that. It's make the most of when you're out there, but be wise about when you go, because every time you're out there, you're giving them another chance to pattern you and to know what's going on, you know, on their side of things. And so it's kind of mixing the the best of both worlds of that. And I think what you just mentioned too, uh, Ken, was just reference to those high traffic areas. You know, when you're going out with the trail cams, you know, you can you can put if you're talking about putting a mineral site out for purpose of inventorying things, you don't have to go into the gnarliest part of right, the property. Yeah. You know, you can you can utilize some of those high traffic areas to, you know, like one of the things I do with some of our properties is, you know, you exactly what you just said, man, if if I can put something in, you know, shoot, it might be 50 yards in off a field's edge in a great, you know, in a great travel corridor, man, I can pull the truck right up. I can I can hop right out, you know, make sure you're all, you know, cleaned up in terms of the scent check and all that. But, man, you can hop out and have that t- stuff set in five minutes 
and then be, yeah. you know, hightailing it out of there, you know, and just kind of being wise about how you're doing that. Um, but, you know, one of the, you know, I think Noel just mentioned something, too, is just really fun. You know, the sidekick, you know, there, there's just something fun about naming bucks. I mean, that is just fun. I mean, when you when you get them on trail cam too. I mean, and, and like, I mean, I know I know all three of us are on the same page, and a lot of our listeners. I mean, there you're like a kid in a candy shop when you are yep. looking through those pictures, and you, I mean, you start coming up with names for bucks, and I mean, man, you start trailing them over, you know, a year, two, three, maybe they're a two and a half year old young buck, and you're like, man, in another year or two, this guy's going to be a stud, and I mean, you you know, that's just that's just part of the you know boy like spirit, you know, you just start having fun <laughs> with that type of stuff. <laughs> We've got some stupid names too. I mean, some good ones. We've got some good ones. <laughs> I try to name deer on purpose. Yes. Like, you know, the tall brow tine bug. Well, yeah. we know on that. Is, but we've right. got some names, man. Uh, Sidekick is one. And I know this is, we're venturing way off from hunting the mornings of October. <laughs> I want to sell this one. It's good. It's good. This year. So you talked about educating a deer. Uh, mm-hmm. The biggest, well, he wasn't the biggest at the time. He blew into a giant. But I, I missed in 2018. Uh, he's a solid buck, 150 plus inch deer. But I, I missed a, a deer, and he didn't have a nickname. I didn't know him. And I went yeah. and checked cameras after I missed him. He showed up that day, that morning, and he came back out to feed that evening. So just luck. But I nicknamed him Professor because I, he got a great education that day. Like, <laughs> there you go. His name is Professor. We had a big, uh, we had a giant eight point. We named Wop because he was a whopper. You know, there you go. Nice. Yeah. Uh, sidekick. Uh, that's on one farm. And then who's on the other farm? Uh, Coon Dog. We've got Coon Dog on one because he treed. It's a is a mid twenties eight point. Like we're really looking forward to seeing him this year because he'll be four. Yeah. He's big, good deer. But he treed two two evenings in a row. Me and my buddy, uh, <laughs> we we're gonna shoot him. But he lingered, and we couldn't get down yeah. out of the stand because there's a quality deer standing there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, coon dog and homeboy because he's on every camp. We got Doofus this year. <laughs> doofus. Like my son, my son, he's just he likes hunting a little bit. He's not fired up about it. He's not against it. He's taking a couple mm. of deer and he enjoys it when he goes. Yeah. But he's fired up like Doofus is his buck this year. Nice. <laughs> doofus had a compaction like where he ate last year and I read about it. Uh and it happens occasionally. Deer will get some food compacted in their jaw and a little uh, infection will take place. It's not harmful they can still eat yeah but apparently it ruptured this year like i I was scared he wasn't gonna make it through winter sure yeah and uh but he did and he he's a he's only two and so he was just a little fork last year tiny little guy and he is like a really nice eight point this year two and a half year old there you go his tongue hangs out the side of his mouth everywhere and he walks awesome with it hanging out so that's why his name is doofus and (laughs) probably Charlie is fired up about about that. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I hope Charlie gets doofus off his uh, off his hit list there. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, we were talking about about um, you know, just quality show that uh, Dan Johnson does over at Nine Fingers, and and he's the guy who runs the Iowa Sportsman podcast. And I've heard before that he's got a he's got a a buck that he has all kinds of history with that I've heard about listening to his show and he named, he, he named him uh dork. 
Yeah, door. <laughs> that is hilarious, man. Just, just uh, get that trail camera yeah. picture, and that's the first name that just pops in, <laughs> pops into your head is door. And that's just, I mean, that's so much of the fun, you know. That's a yep. big part of the fun. And, and even, you know, when you're talking about first-gen hunters, you know, and, and getting guys into it, I mean – you know, sitting with a, with someone who hasn't really gotten into it, but they're they're curious about it, and you're going through pictures with them. Oh man, yeah. you talk about wetting someone's appetite and giving them an excitement for it, and talking through some things. I mean, that's pretty cool, you know. Hunters yeah. just to that, and a lot of uh, of new hunters, and and maybe even some old. I, I don't think so at this point. I think there's enough material out between you know television shows and and just written. Don't realize that their antlers grow back. They might realize they, that they shed, but don't yeah. realize that their antlers grow back with very similar characteristics. So they are distinguishable. Right. 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 Yes. A, 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 a first year person, you know, every eight point might look the same. Right. Or every 10 right. point might look the same to them. And I get that. Yeah. But if you look at them enough, you start, you know, having distinguishing characteristics and, and yes. they still, for the most part, grow back. Like, like sidekick is he has the same rack for the past three years. Everything about it's the same. It's just wrong. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, We knew exactly who he was by his brow tines. Wow. You know, (laughs) wow. Well, and that, and that, that's cool because you're able to develop almost the, the deer almost become like a member of the family in the sense that you're, you're, you're watching them. You, I mean, you have, you know, and Kent and I have talked about this, you have the utmost respect for that animal and you know, you're, you're just enjoying it. And I mean, man, maybe you go out and you have a close encounter, but you know, you don't even feel bad about it. You're just, man, wow. I got to see that deer, man. Mm -hmm. I'm enjoying it. I mean, that's just, wow. I mean, how cool is that? And then to be able to, to kind of see someone else enjoy that or, or start that passion or see that deer i mean wow it just amplifies it even more so pretty pretty cool we have a deer in kansas that he's been around for he's he's going to be a five and a half year old deer this year and he's a real weird looking he got in a, it looks like a car hit him or something mm. and it grew down huh. uh, oh. his name is reggie just i don't know why it's reggie <laughs> but that's because he's named. and so the folks that i hunt with in kansas they become like family to me and uh they went shed hunting and they picked up Reggie's shed. Nice, oh, man. Young man, the the son of the you know, of the guy that I hunt with. He's uh, junior, sophomore, junior in high school. He text messaged me, and all it said in all caps. Hadn't heard from him in two months. All it said in all <laughs> caps was, "We got Reggie." <laughs> and, and, and so exactly what he was talking about, though. Yeah, right. Exactly. You know? Yes. And, yes. And yes. Yeah, fun and and uh, I. Reggie's blown up too. I'm anxious to see what he's gonna look like. Yeah, that would be such a cool buck to get with with uh, antlers like that, man. With yeah. with that, might be kind of well, your, your taxidermist kinda, might hate a, you, but but that'd well, be thing. I mean, that's a pretty cool thing when you know it's crazy how man, it, you know, it's unfortunate when deer get hit or when deer get an injury or whatever. But it's kind of a, I mean, they're super resilient, and if they make it through, it's amazing. You know, they get injured on that right side. It's amazing what that left side will look like, or vice versa. I mean, it's pretty cool how sometimes it turns out to make them really character bucks. That, that's what happened to Reggie. He he's grown back up. It's not yeah. out anymore. But yes. One side is really deformed, but it's it's really cool looking. Yes. Like, is the second you see him, he's blind too, so that doesn't help. Uh, <laughs> blind him. Oh, yeah. the wow. Action, the action blinded him. We think so. Oh my goodness! I mean, they, that just speaks to how resilient those deer are, man. He, he uh, they, they really are. They really are. 
Yeah, Ken, would you like me to talk about early season in October? <laughs> well, so far I'm just hearing about all these like uh, crazy injured bucks that you got wandering around. You know, it's got Doofus with a hole in the side of his head and Reggie oh, with yeah. antlers hanging off the side of his face. And had nothing to do with any of that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's 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 awesome. I hope you're able to get get both those bucks this year. That'd be such cool stories. But you know, with as crazy as their their uh, battle wounds are, you're probably gonna have to do like full body mounts, you know, just to just to carry <laughs> on the full effect. I won't get to hunt Reggie for sure, and and Charlie. That's right. After, yeah, he did draw. Yeah. Charlie's getting after Doofus, so I my my taxidermy bill is uh, I've got eyes for something else, and these Iowa tags are pretty are pretty uh, I don't know coveted. I'd like to. I, I got my mind for some somebody else. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We... Well, no, what are what are what are your thoughts? You know, just about like the morning hunting and all that. You know, early season. Like, do you have a personal opinion with the morning side of things? What What are your take? What's your take on it? I, I don't personally care for it, mm-hmm. uh, and it's because of of the the lack of knowing where the deer are uh, in the evenings. I can. I can assume it might be a wrong assumption, but I'm going to assume they're in corn or I can kind of gauge where I think that they're going to be in the mornings. I'm not super sure where they're going to be. Uh, it's going to depend on weather if they stayed out late or, you know, yeah. just whatever the, the temperature has got a lot to do with that. Yeah. I would prefer not to. However, if I get some, if I go and get some MRI, some, some recent information, right. The camera <laughs> and, you know, a deer has been there, you know, with some consistency in the morning, I might would try to figure out in 2018, I did that. I tried to figure out a way to kill a deer. Uh, he never showed up, but he was there like three mornings in a row. So you're almost, mm, right. you're almost crazy for not trying. Right. If you can get in and out, the worst thing you want to do is have a target buck and blow him up. And then right. he's done for the rest yeah. of the season. Yeah. yeah. Right. I would prefer to hunt the evenings and, uh, just where I can be real safe. Yeah, uh, sure. Yeah, I, I'm not getting real aggressive early season. Yeah, well, that that that's that's good advice. You know what? And I, you know, I I do want to add this on here too because if we do have a listener saying, well, you know, that's my time off work. You know, that's 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 the only time I go. By all means, you know, if that's going to be all the hunting you can do in the season, you don't have the luxury of waiting. You know to hunt this property until the rut or whatever yeah get out there and and have fun and and that's what hunting's about is is getting out there enjoying yourself you know so you would receive zero judgment i am confident from the three of us here if if you did decide to go out and hunt in the morning but if you do have if you do have the time to be a little bit flexible brandon and i have talked about this in the past we can fall into that temptation of quantity over quality with Mm -hmm with our hunts and um it might seem like well you know i don't really care about about getting a big buck i just care about getting a buck or i just care about getting a deer and that's great too but you're still gonna i mean yes those giant bucks have been able to stay alive long enough to be giants because they're experts at being elusive but most deer are going to be on at least somewhat of a similar schedule for the day. And, you know, 
rarely do you only blow one deer out you know usually it's a it's kind of a chain reaction and and so even if you are just looking for you know the, the classic eater dough or whatever you, you go in there and and you're not hunting at the right time for what the deer activity is you might not even get that chance i mean we've all seen the wary doe who's uh spotted us and let everybody else know about it and you know so they're they're pretty savvy to it at evading so you got to make sure that yeah go ahead brandon what what i was going to say you know even when you look at the the patterning standpoint of you know just the generic you know okay in the evenings they're going to be out to feed you know it's it's a lot easier to keep the pressure light when you can hunt the peripheral of properties yes. and that's easier to do you know if you're if you're tr- strategically trying to hunt mornings in in october early october especially you know you're probably not hunting food sources you know external food sources you're kind of you're going in you know trying to trying to cut somewhere between a bedding area and a food source yes. and, or a travel corridor and you know you're just heightening your chances of really educating the deer versus being able to you know those evenings really is easy to sometimes slip in and slip out you know especially if you got those yeah. great travel areas that are easy to access so i mean you know it's just there's there's so many reasons why man you really are going to further educate the deer do, you know you you doing those mornings you know it, not to say you know depending on the setup you know i know that out here in delaware we have some setups where some properties they're just, they're not even smart to hunt in the morning because you can't really access them very well. I mean, even you're looking at sometimes you might be looking at a great property for for rut, you know. But man, it just doesn't make sense to hunt a certain stand because of a, a prevailing wind or because of the access. Man, you've kind of got to go through a food plot field that you know you're gonna blow some deer out of there early morning when you're going in. So it's kind of you know really being smart like that too. Sometimes some some properties or some stand setups just aren't smart setups for morning or for evening or, or vice versa. So kind of thinking through that is a real important, important part of it as well. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Kind of, kind of along this line of patterning deer here and looking at some of these conditions that Brandon just mentioned and Noel, you've already mentioned as well, your theory on the October lull, which is, Hey, these deer for the first time in a long time are correct me if I'm wrong here, but I, th- I think this is how I understood what you're saying for the first time in a long time, these deer are, being pressured you know they they haven't had hunting pressure since here in iowa we wrap up i think it's the second week of january is the end of of, yeah yeah right around there the 10th yep and so since january 10th you're talking you know a solid nine plus months they have not they have not been hunted there's been shed hunters there's been mushroom hunters there's been turkey hunters but they haven't they haven't received that same level of pressure that they do um during during the hunting season for so long that all of a sudden now as guys start filing back into the deer woods they're kind of they're kind of like re-triggering that oh yeah you know this person looking shape isn't here to you know be my buddy (laughs) and so do you feel like that pretty much sums up the october lull or do you think there's there's maybe some other biological thing that's going on there i mean i know a lot it's it's a hotly debated yeah <laughs> topic there, there's but. certainly some some science i think to it too uh some some reasoning behind it uh, you know a couple of reasons could be hunter pressure and and they're getting that and they're they're just kind of hunkering down deer haven't left they're still there but they're hard to find i think another thing is too uh, in the midwest we can say this and and i'm sure in delaware it's very similar they're starting to put on some winter winter coat, hmm. 
Mm-hmm. A lot of times you're still going to get some really warm days. That's a great yeah. point. And, I've never deer, even heard that. Uh, deer are a little, uh, well, I mean, they're going to conserve what, what they can. They don't right. want to be out doing what they don't have to so that might drive them nocturnal for a while until it cools off again and so that's when you're going to see some really good activity during october when you get that 10 15 degree drop in temperature that's Uh, an excellent point you're going to catch them the last 30 minutes of daylight which is when we've had success it's not been you know at three o'clock in the afternoon it's all the last few minutes of uh, of daylight Uh, that's a great point you, you kind of have to take some of those things into consideration. Uh, I, th- I believe that has had a lot to do with it. I mean, we've had great luck in October. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, cool weather. Mm-hmm. Uh, last was... year was really good uh, for the first few days. Uh, uh, like the, oh, it's like 8th through 10th. It was nice and cool. And we saw some deer in the evenings. But, uh, the, or excuse me, maybe like the 11th through 13th or something like that. It was cool. We saw some deer in the evenings killed on the 14th, but the weather has shifted that day. It was going to start warming back up that, that mm. next day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe in hunting both ends of fronts. Mm-hmm. The front end of a cold front where it's been warm mm-hmm. season and then it's going to drop some temperature and, mm-hmm. you know, cold front can be relative uh that's a great day i also believe that the first south after a handful of norths mm. uh, south mm. after a handful of north winds is good i killed the my buck last year on what we called an off wind meaning it was the first south after about four days of north wind okay it, it was like we were pushing it it was it was marginal for that set but a deer was going to have to come in a certain spot we didn't think that they were betting where our wind was blowing but mm-hmm. they sure crossed through it but we knew that there was a big deer in that timber and we we just went on a hunch and thought that he might come to that field edge early and i was able to to whack him as he was getting my wind so wow. uh, it's it, it wow. was slow. it was a good hunch yeah, man. But, but, and we had some help from a, a combine half mile away too, making a bunch of rackets. So we, yeah. I mm. firmly believe that that had something to do with him getting up a little earlier. But mm. I think we could have still probably gotten him just naturally too, because it was, I don't know, just the stars aligned, I guess. So uh, the I think there is a lull. I don't disagree with that. But to think that deer just know, man, it's time to hunker down. It's October. We've got to rest up. For right, the right, right. Mm-hmm. Yes and no. I think it's weather dependent. Mm-hmm. Man, that's yeah. such that's such an excellent tip. I've never. I'm trying to scan my brain here. I got a I got a pretty decent memory, and I don't think I've ever heard that that you know they're they're starting to pick up that heavier coat, and then after hearing you describe it that way, because I have hunted um, the early muzzleloader which is pretty much october lull right um the last two years i killed one buck when um it was my scope was getting covered in sleet and that was in october and he was just like brandon said he was moving from you know wherever he was the night before back down to his bed 
and uh, just caught him like in that that transition area and um the giant that i hit that all of our listeners know the heartbreaking story about if you don't go back and listen to i think it was episode one uh but uh (laughs) just just a huge buck and and there were there were i think two or three other bucks in the field with him and the the whole thing there was they like you said they were bed down in the corn and the neighbor was harvesting and so i think he got up a little bit earlier than what he normally would have and they were all just kind of hanging out right along this creek bed, which, you know, when you walk by those creek beds in the evening, you know, it's not only just getting cooler in October evenings because the sun's going down and that heat doesn't, you know, stick around like it does during the summer nights. And you walk by those creek beds and it's a, I don't know, five degree drop, you know. And so as they're getting that heavier, thicker coat on, you know, you can almost make some predictions based on, based on stuff like that i would say and sure enough the the following night when i went back out um i saw another buck just kind of moving that creek bed at the pretty much exact same time the last couple minutes of legal shooting light and the definitely the coolest part of the of the evening and wow that man that's some (laughs) again that's why we bring in guys like noel that's that's high level information right there and and certainly a cautionary thing as well, you know, don't be, probably don't be moving around at that point of, of the evening, especially if you're planning to have some more hunts in a month. Yeah. Don't, don't give it up too early, you know, sit, sit it out. Right. Uh, yeah. For sure. Yeah. One, and I mean, I feel like too, you know, part of it too, is I think with the October lull, you've got to know the food sources on your, on your property too, because, you know, depending on when the acorn drop happens, you know, sometimes, you know, that acorn drop, you know, I know here in Delaware can happen uh, in October at some point in October. And it's almost as if, man, the, 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 the food source transitions to that. It's not that they're not still hitting the fields and whatnot, but it's almost like, wow, where did they, all of a sudden they transitioned quickly with that mass dropping. And so sometimes that can be perceived as a, you know, then we've talked about this before too, you know, trying to trying to be you know uh really trying to um diversify as a hunter you know not being afraid of different setups you know here in delaware no we you know kind of share with the viewers we've got a ton of state land to hunt so what we do many times is you know we'll kind of save the the land that we have to hunt on you know to kind of save that for a later part of the season and then you know start to kind of reach out a little bit start to try to hunt some different spots you know it kind of helps with the level of experience you know in terms of learning things uh, but also keeps the pressure low i mean i know uh qdma and, and other organizations have a lot of really great research out there on you know just tracking the number of sits and the deer that you see and it's it usually it tends to be uh, in pretty good correlation you know the more that you're out there if you're really stacking it up especially you know look at hunters and we're talking first gen hunters you know and i know we've said this before Try to avoid, you know, sitting in that same spot time yeah. after time yep. after time, you know, because that really you talk about you talk about really decreasing your ability and your chances of seeing deer. That's how you do it, you know, and so being strategic and playing the wind right and, you know, trying to avoid hunting the same setup, you know, repeatedly, especially multiple days in a row. You're not really it's just simple things are going to help you a lot. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, no, you kind of already touched on my next question a little bit here but i might ask you to sum it up just uh so the the listeners can can uh pick up on it specifically i was going to ask you what would be your ideal october day but it sounds like you're really big on when 
wind changes. So the the first north and then the last kind of the when it, you know the I guess it would be the first south then right was kind of how you described it where if the wind's been coming from the same direction for a few days then all of a sudden when it kind of changes and starts heading from the other you're in the woods uh, you really like that temperature drop not necessarily a a you know bona fide big you know dip down into the the 40s or 50s um, but just just enough to to get the get the deer up on their feet but do you have like a, a, maybe a rule that you go by or some way that you sum all that up to say yep this is a day that yeah I might I have a few of those flex vacation days this might be a good time to you know when you're looking at the five day <laughs> forecast this might be a, a good day to use one of those days yeah I, I don't uh the over the past four years I I shot 150 six or seven inch deer on October the 7th, uh, in 2016, 2018, I shot professor on October the 11th. And then last year I shot the 10 point on October the 14th. And they all came on days that were the day of or day after a significant front. Mm, sure. And, uh, to, to, to a deer. Now the, the last year, last year was at the back end of that front. But it was, again, it was the first south after like four norths. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so if I was looking at something like that, that's that's handy. Um, mm-hmm. If there is a cool day with a little higher pressure, barometric pressure, uh, I'm going to make a point to be there. If it's a bluebird day with a, a high pressure uh, day, anything over you know, 30 is awesome. The higher, the better. Uh, I'm going to try to be sure I'm out that day. Like we'll Mm -hmm. make, my wife will graciously help me make arrangements. If I say, Hey, I need to hunt that day this week. Like that's (laughs) if I I can pick a day, can I go that day? That's when I want to be there. Yeah. Uh, Like a specific date. Uh, not so much. I really like the first couple of weeks though, just because Mm -hmm. at that point I've been hunting somewhere for two weeks. Uh, you know, and and uh, every time you go out, you're leaving scent, mm-hmm. and and you're educating to some degree. Even if yeah. you're not educating, I know I talk a lot about about mature bucks, and that's just that's what I hunt. I enjoy hunting big mature deer. Uh, I've hunted for 28 years now, and I've 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 killed enough deer that I I want to kill a big deer now. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. But every time I go out, I'm a, I'm educating a doe. That yeah. it, and that that's just as important to, you know, say, oh well, man, I bumped a deer, but it was it was a dink. He ran off. Well, he he told everybody through the woods <laughs> that something. You know, that's right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Screaming now. Blowing and snorting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, this is <laughs> I've not I've not been big on doe hunting, uh, the past four years because there was such a big kill off of deer. Uh, in 2012, 13, I really feel like this year was probably going to be the first year we have in my part of the state, a real nice huntable, uh, you know, population of deer. My son's killed, you know, we've taken one or two off of our farms, but mm-hmm. I don't really go after them. But boy, let me tell you, and I probably won't this year one, because I don't want to blow, you know, my spots. I usually try to, I, I'm very particular about my hunting. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, yep. But if if a big mature doe gets out there and busts me, 
I'm probably going to try to bust her. I mean, <laughs> because every time she steps in that field, she's going to, she's going to radar that stand from that. Yeah. Point. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, because that's how they are interested in surviving and eating mm-hmm. at, at early in the year. And, uh, so it might not be a bad idea to, to, to yep. get a little, get a little backstrap, you know, early, uh, <laughs> If, if that's the, you know, you can't do that to every one of them or you won't have a yeah. herd. But uh, if you're trying to manage a little bit, that's a good way to to to, to distinguish yeah. needs to be taken out of the herd and who doesn't. Right. Yep. Right. Uh, that's that's uh, that's another another good uh, tip that I didn't hear about until several years in. In fact, I hadn't even experienced what it was like to get uh, blown at by a a doe until last year when i hit that giant i was kind of like waiting around to see what was happening all of a sudden this doe was just like you know going about her evening business she's like wait a minute who are you what what and you know she sounded the yep. alarm it was yeah like, all right i and get it, it is an alarm i mean yeah. yeah they 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 make you know no doubt and, about yeah, it. and she hung around i mean she she like just kind of stood maintained like 15 yards and probably for you know 90 seconds just kind of danced around blowing her head off and i get it now yep for sure but well those that that's excellent information there again very very high level stuff that if you are a new hunter man it's such an advantage to you to be able to 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 hear what what noel's saying here for us but um kind of the last thing i want to uh ask on on this topic before we kind of start wrapping this one up so I've talked about it already. I've hunted the Iowa early muzzleloader season the past two years. I will not be hunting it this season. Um, I'll be, as far as my gun hunting goes, I'll probably save my buck tag for late muzzleloader, and I'll probably uh, put in for an antlerless tag in the during one of the regular gun seasons. But let's say, Noel, that all of a sudden somebody said, you got to hunt this October with a gun. You know, maybe you, maybe you did get an early muzzleloader tag. Maybe uh, Buck Ventures is saying, hey, we need some more muzzleloader content. Um, can you put in for an early muzzleloader tag? Or just for whatever reason, you have to hunt with a yeah. gun. How is that going to... How is that going to change maybe your stand placement? So, like what what kind of areas are you looking to set up on and and maybe kind of so this could be kind of a long answer i suppose because we're kind of hitting a couple things here so how would how would your stand placement be affected between hunting with a gun and hunting with a bow and just kind of lay out for us maybe this specific scenario of you have one ladder stand that you can put up during your summer scouting for both and then the rest of the your stand placement is going to be all you know, hang on and sticks or maybe a saddle, just something that's very mobile. Um, how are you going to go about that in in this early season? Okay, uh, so I, I likely would not encroach quite as much on on perceived travel areas as I would with the archer equipment for. You know, for obvious reasons, I want to be 30 yards in with a, a bow, right? Uh, with a with a muzzle loader. If that's what if that's the what we're using for this scenario, uh, you know, 
a hundred yards is an easy shot nowadays with a with a muzzle loader. We're we're shooting one. It's crazy the CVA Paramount. You can shoot three hundred, but wow. I, 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 I'm not. We're, we're just gonna. I, I shoot an Acura, and and I'm 150 in. I'm confident. Uh, right. So I'm I'm just gonna back off those trails a little bit because I'm gonna the 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 fewer deer I can educate, the more I am. Uh, that's what I'm concerned with at this point. Yeah. Uh, I would be thrilled if. Uh, you know, if I was able to get a deer with, with a with a muzzleloader in the early season, but I'm going to have to be so aware that they're likely going to be in groups of some form or fashion. Right. If it's a even if it's a, a family unit of does that come out first uh, into whatever food source that I'm hunting, because that's where I'm going to be hunting is over a food source. A right. personal preference of mine, and and you know, many of my colleagues i guess is that we we're not going to penetrate timber during mm. the season we're just not going to do it at we're going to hunt peripheral uh you know yeah that was mentioned earlier we're going to hunt edges field edges yeah. uh, because they're you they're so unpredictable there's a lot of foliage still it's coming off but right. there's a lot of foliage still you can't really see in the timber as well <laughs> it's yeah. noisy in you're leaving scent yeah. down so we're going to hunt field edges and w- so jeff danker is a good friend of mine he actually owns buck ventures and he has a strategy that i've employed here recently he says i'm hunting from the outside in and he's taking time if you have time to observe and slowly methodically hone your way down to where you want to be to the right. tree like he says that if i can scout a tree that it's within a hundred yards of where these deer are coming out. He said, that's what I'm looking for as much as anything. Mm-hmm. And I like, I agree with that a lot. So yeah. I'm going to, uh, if I'm going to place a summer, a summer set, which I I've done. And, uh, we, we were talking about it today. I told you we burn off some, some ground today to do a, a food plot. Yeah. Uh, it, I'm setting it around that food to where I'm going to be able to enter it and exit. It's not where I really want it the stand but it's where it needs to be well, that's good that's a good way to say it that's a really good way to say it i want it to be like <laughs> on the timber side of the food plot but there's a little <laughs> finger that is going to give me a perfect entrance for a south wind mm-hmm. that i can get into and i'm still going to have a shot to the food plot i'm going to give up the timber but at the same time i have a trail camera set on that timber and the deer in the evenings come out in like six different spots Right. I can't narrow that down, but they're all coming to the middle of that food plot <laughs> at some yep, point. Yeah. Yeah. And right. So you, I just would be so careful because if you blow them, they're, you know, they're gone. Yeah. And uh, they might come back and, and they likely could. And, but, you know, if you don't blow them, then they're probably going to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah right. For sure. Right. Well, now, kind of going off what you're saying here. Um, I, this is just a question I just thought of, but I really like what you're saying there. Do you, first, I guess, do you ever hunt out of a ground blind or off the ground? And do you then, because you can kind of, you don't really need a tree 
you know, to, to hang a stand, obviously, when you got a ground blind. Do you use ground blinds more during the early season because you can kind of be in that spot? I like how you said it, not where you want to be, but where you should be. Do you yeah. do you use a ground blind to kind of achieve that in the early season? Yeah, that's 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 a great point. I have uh, the the first deer I killed in Iowa was out of a ground blind because all I had permission to hunt. I say all. It's a big farm. It's two hundred acres. Mm-hmm. There was there wasn't a tree on it. There was not sure. a single tree on it. Yeah. <laughs> and, well, yeah, we hunted out of a ground blind, but we we hunted next to some timber, uh, and I was that guy. You know, I was the jerk that hunted next to a property line. But no, one, no, no one hunted the property line or, or the property. They they did in the in the shotgun season, so right. we're talking two and a half months away. Right. Yeah. I went and uh, it's a cornfield that has a, a thirty yard buffer be- between the properties, and the deer every evening were filing out of that corn and walking down to a water source. So I okay. hunted deer of water. Uh, and we were in a ground blind then it was a, about a 25 yard bow shot and just throttled a big 10 point. So it was, it was awesome. Uh, so yeah, that was out of necessity though, you know, so we didn't have a place. I've now leased that timber Mm -hmm. and I still have a ground blind where I had the first one because the deer are coming out and using that same thing (laughs) Yeah, and it can only be hunted with a North wind. Mm. And so it's hard to get a north wind in early season. A lot mm-hmm. of yeah. So it's like, you know, I'm at work, like checking the wind pretty regularly. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, uh, then today, in fact, I was with my my friend Zach, and we were talking about this food plot we were burning off. And he said, "Hey, did you figure out what you're going to do on the other side of this timber? Because it's all, like I said, it's all a part of this lease that I have." And he said, you're going to get to get a stand hung pretty soon because we've kind of identified some places from turkey season and, and shed hunting. And I said, I had an epiphany. You know, there is a spot where up on the field edge, if you hang a tree or a tree stand on the field edge, you're going to be eight feet above the deer that are on the field. You're going right. to be 20 feet above the deer in the valley. Yeah. You're only a few feet up. And so I said, it's almost like you're going to get picked off if a deer comes and is in that field edge. Right. So I remember this bench, this flat part right off of the field. You know, you're giving up pretty much the field. Mm -hmm. Uh, But for rut, man, these deer are going to blow this timber wide open. It's a funnel. And they're going to come. Every deer is going to come within 40 yards. It's got to. If it's yeah. in timber. Right. And so I'm willing to give up something right. to maximize something else. And so I didn't have any south wind stands for that t- for that timber. Perfect south wind stand. Uh, anything with west in it is going to be perfect. And so we're going to know that I'm very indecisive. All right. Uh, <laughs> I go to Kansas, my buddy, he's got, you know, 10 farms out that way. And he's I can go to any of them. And he's got different stands for different winds on every farm. Sure. And so I'm like, dang man, where do I, you know, where do I want to go? I need to go here. No, I need to go here. I don't have that luxury personally. I just have a, a handful, a couple of farms that I have handshake agreements with. You know, the farmer mm-hmm. just enough to let me hunt. Yep. And mm-hmm. then it's one one little timber, and um, so now I have a south 
west stand, <laughs> a straight south stand, and two north stands. So my my options have really narrowed down. And uh, if I can't get them there, just where I'm at in my career, I'm content with that. Yeah. I might maneuver around a little bit if I, because this is the first year I'm hunting one end of that property. If I see that there is a, a, a pattern mm-hmm. of deer using a ridge or something just out of range, I might go throw a hanging hunt with, with a, a, a set of sticks and a, um, and a, uh, lock on stand or something like that. Mm-hmm. If, if I see that I'm consistently out of range, sure. um, I'm going to wait till I that before I make that move. Like, I really want to get into it right now just so it'll be done. I'm a yeah. big, you know, I don't like hanging on the side of trees trying to be quiet. Yeah. So yeah. I like my actual ladder ladder and prop up against right. the tree to hook on my step. I want to do that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. 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 Right. But I also want to kill a big deer. And so mm. we're going to do what it, do what it takes. <laughs> right. That big guy. <laughs> Man, this is good. good this stuff. is such good information. We could talk. We could talk for hours, man. Um, one thing I want to do, actually, two things I want to do before we end. Um, this is going to be episode thirteen, so uh, we're going to kind of go with the unlucky thirteen number, right? And uh, so I want to hear your. <laughs> we'll call it unluckiest, and you can interpret unluckiest to mean whatever you want it to mean. But your unluckiest hunting moment, or maybe maybe not the most unlucky one, you know, because you know, I I've got a buddy who's come come back from hunts with uh, a little bit less T-shirt than he went into it with, you know, just because of when the coffee kicked in <laughs> or lost his his lucky socks or something. But but uh, maybe it doesn't have to quite get to that level. Maybe it's just your third most unlucky story. But I want to get that from you. And then also before uh, before you do that, uh, you know, I got to think that. I mean, I've been blown away by this conversation. I knew I would be. I, that's why. That's why I reached out to you because I knew it was going to be such good quality stuff. Um, but I gotta imagine that anyone tuning into this episode is like, man, this guy knows what he's talking about. How can people find more of Noel Gandy? Because uh, I know you you do you do write the articles for the Iowa Sportsman magazine. You you do appear on on uh, uh, that podcast from time to time, but. Can you kind of tell people how they can uh, follow along with Buck Ventures uh, Woodsman series, and then also uh, maybe some social content they can follow along with? Oh yeah, absolutely. I can almost tie that in with my unlucky thing too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Lord has a wonderful way of keeping us humble, fellas, and uh, yes, I, I, it, and, and it's good. And you yep. you said some very generous things. I appreciate that. It's just a, a passion of love, man. So it's it all comes from from just loving what we do. But uh, started writing for uh, Iowa Sportsman, and I was so excited because I've yeah. never I've published a couple of th- or had a couple of things published, but nothing you know nothing huge. And you know Iowa Sportsman reached out, and we're going to get to write articles. And I think I've written ten or twelve articles for them over the few years, and. Yeah. So exciting. My very first article comes out and I like I knew it was coming. So I email you know the folks and say, "Hey, can you send me a couple extra copies? Cuz I want to yeah. send it to my mama. You know, I yeah. I want to send it to my mama <laughs> and I need to be sure everybody knows that that daddy made it, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> up, my first ever article. I can't even remember the title of it now. <laughs> 
I open it up and it says whatever the name of it was hunting. Uh, oh gosh, I can't remember. By Noah Grandy, N O A H G R A N D. Thank you, Lord. Humility <laughs> <laughs> that you have placed in my life now. Yeah. I, to, I was starting to feel myself a little bit, guys. At that point in time, yeah. I'll be honest. Yeah. I started yeah. to think my britches were, were growing, or, or I was getting too big for them. And so, I'm still teased by my closest friends. Uh, hey, look, here comes Noah Grandy. And so I'm reminded of him often. So that, that could have been unlucky or, or it might have been a blessing. I don't know. Yep. Uh, and, then, and then another unlucky thing, and this will tie in as well. I, I do. I film some with the, the television show Buck Ventures, and that's just been a major blessing for me, honestly. I've always uh, watched hunting, out, you know, outdoor television, which right. first-gen hunter, honestly, that's a great way to pick up some tips. Yes. Uh, just, you know, tune in to the Outdoor Channel, Sportsman Channel. Yep. Uh, I'll even give a plug for My Outdoor TV, uh, yeah. which is exclusively behind Buck Ventures, The Woodsman series. <laughs> yeah. Hey, um, hey that's, 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 why, that's why I'm asking you, man. People want to yeah. find out. Yeah, so so Buck Ventures has been an on, ongoing show for 15 years or so, and it, it airs on Sportsman Channel. Uh, and... and uh, my buddy Jeff Danker is the host, and he's been tied in with some other groups. Major League Bowhunter is a, mm. is a, okay. a show that he used to help host, and he, he went back to exclusively focusing on Buck Ventures and developing this new show, The Woodsman, which is a spinoff, and it is a digital series. It, it is exclusively on, uh, uh, seriously, on My Outdoor TV, which is an yep. app. It's very similar to Netflix, Okay, uh, but it hosts all of... Uh, Outdoor Channel, Sportsman Channel, and World Fishing Network's content. It's it's really cool. It's a a lover's dream, honestly. Uh, So my uh, woodsman's on that. I am affiliated with that group. My deer from this past year is going to – that episode will drop, I think, in October. Awesome. Nice. I think so. So excited about that. My Kansas buck will be on there. Uh, I'm passionate about that because they too are very passionate, uh, obviously about hunting, but about the Lord and and sharing, sharing Christian values. And so it's super family friendly. And, uh, I have no problem sitting down with my kids watching any, anything that they put out. So that's awesome. uh, That's, that's awesome. So that's, um, just the woodsman on Instagram and, um, and Facebook. But my personal stuff is I'm at Noel Gandy, not to be confused with Noah Grandy. <laughs> your, your, your ghostwriter name. And my ghostwriter name. But yeah, yeah Gandy, and I'm on Instagram and, and Facebook. Would would love for, for folks to follow along. And we have a, such a good time just putting stuff up, content. Uh, a lot of the content is uh, very, very personal, but it's it's I'm happy to share it just to get to know people and love people. And, and love visiting and talking and I'm always down to talk about deer hunting. So Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Well I've I've uh definitely appreciate getting to know you here through the our, our recent history that we that we've kind of shared through texting and emails and so forth. But um man, this was this was such an awesome interview and, and one that I know I'll I'll uh, listen to several times. You know, my my wife is so good to me. She she like you know I'm having those little celebratory moments too. You know, each time I drop an episode, I'm like, oh let me uh, go over here to 
iTunes, you know, oh, I'm on iTunes, you know, and, <laughs> and uh, who is this guy? And, uh, you know, but so I'll, I'll listen to a, an episode a couple times, you know, just, um, see how it goes. And, but honestly, I've been listening to him cause I've been learning so much from, from you more experienced hunters, which is the goal. That's, that's what, that's what I want. You know, I want to, I want to help all, all hunters get a little bit better and especially provide that leg up for fellow first gen hunters out there who who are kind of figuring out on their own and and the stuff you gave us today man that's that's stuff that we can we can put in our our tool bag for deer hunting for you know hopefully the rest of our lives and so i really appreciate you uh being willing to share that time and and again thank you for you know all you do for your community serving in the church as a church planner and and um you know even using using uh, buck ventures to uh, bring more positivity and just make you know one of the one of my favorite things about hunting shows is i can watch the rut in july you know <laughs> you, can, like, you like almost take that vacation you know, I, I'm definitely a sweater by nature. And so when I'm dying in the summer heat and I just think, oh man, November's coming, December's coming, even a January late muzzleloader hunt is coming. All the new seasons, all the new seasons of all the shows drop, uh, July, the, the week of July 1st. Awesome. And so the past up a couple of weeks been so nice. Like yeah. Yeah. evening, like chill time at home, just flipping it on and letting it go, man. I've yep. enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah. Yep. Get you amped up for the season to come. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, technically, I had three last things for you. Here is my my final final thing. I like to do this from time to time. Uh, what is like your go to tip for for new hunters? Like this is your thing. It, it doesn't matter what season it is. It could even be a different species. You know, it could be maybe it's a turkey tip or something. But um, what is your thing that you do that you just really feel? helps you be more successful hunting uh always wear your hat backwards so the deer think you're going that way. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's money man that's money i'm gonna flip I mine right now i uh no i'm so just over the top about about wind direction and scent sure um we're not going to ever kill all of our scent and nope. and we, I, I'm, I've got some great partners that, that we use and, and we use them religiously. Mm-hmm. Uh, we use a lot of like dead down wind stuff and, yeah, uh, sure. you know, we wash our clothing and uh, you try to be as careful as you can, but the wind is your friend, I, I believe. And mm-hmm. uh, that, that would be just like my absolute go-to tip is, is if you have to manage anything, manage manage the wind and be proficient with your weapon uh oh yeah yep don't take a bow out of a case on september you know 30th and plan to go try to shoot something october 1st uh we owe it to we owe it to the animals that we're Mm -hmm. trying to take we're trying to take their life i mean i I don't sound gruesome but we do we we owe it to at least do what we can to be proficient with that weapon and so wind and and proficiency there are going to be mistakes and um absolutely and and you're going to miss most likely uh, at some point in time in your hunting career if you haven't ever and it happens but uh don't let it be your fault (laughs) right yeah yeah Yeah. that's very well said 
Yeah, those are awesome. And that'll even preach, man. That's like a that's like a point from a sermon. The wind is your friend. I can just see myself like, <laughs> what did he say? Filling it, filling in the blanks on my little like uh, sermon outline there. So, yeah, that's that's awesome. The wind is your friend. I like that, and and certainly getting in the getting in the practice that you're supposed to. Well, I won't keep you guys any longer, Brandon Noel. So thankful to you guys jumping on tonight and uh, helping out with First Gen Hunter and helping more specifically other first gen hunters and even hopefully veteran hunters some so much good information in this one and um looking forward to catching up with you again down the road man thanks again so much my my pleasure awesome awesome and you take care too brandon hold down the uh east coast there for us I'll keep I'll keep uh, keep catching those saltwater fish till we get into hunting season. Yeah, See what yeah, we can yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, Rub it in, rub it in, rub it in. I'm going on a trout trip tomorrow, so nice, I'm, good. I'm looking forward to that. But you, you guys take it easy, and uh, we'll talk to you later. Well, are you inspired yet? I sure am. I'm fired up, man. I'm ready to get out there early season. But with some of the caution that Noel gave us, you know, some of those extra considerations we have to put into our plan, knowing when is not just the time we want to go, but the right time as far as when we're going to see deer and we're not going to mess things up for ourselves later on. However, I will say this, this episode gave me a lot more hope for hunting the early season. A lot of times guys take a different view than what Noel does and they kind of write off that early season but as I like to say the proof is in the pudding Noel knows what he's doing and he knows how to get it done in October he finds the big bucks waits for those right conditions we just mentioned and gets it done so if you want to hear more from Noel if you want to see him on your TV you can find him through the Buck Ventures Woodsman show on my outdoor tv and uh, you can also follow the buck ventures woodsman uh, channels on instagram and facebook you can find their their pages and uh, also uh, noel does write for the iowa sportsman's magazine and uh, if you you live around here great magazine to pick up and and uh, check out and, and hear some more from noel there as always Look up Brandon and his team at Hunt Fish Life. Go to thehuntfishlife.com. You'll find links to all their social pages. And then please, please, please subscribe, follow, like, everything First Gen Hunter. You can find links to all of that through firstgenhunter.com. Well, early season's coming. We got stuff to do. And until then, take care and take someone hunting. Hunting.